how can the uniqueness, even the weirdness, of you and your family be an advantage in coping with cancer and being an advocate for your health and being helpful to others, even if your family is the ADHD family. It's time to learn some lessons in paying attention to what really matters here on episode 14 of the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, where we help cancer-impacted people heal through hope and humor. I'm Dr. Brad Miller, and after retiring from a career as a pastor, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I just had to laugh to keep from crying. And I responded by combining my doctoral degree in personal transformation and my 11 years of podcasting experience with my love of laughter to live out my simple mission to lift up cancer-impacted people who are not ready to give up on life yet to help them to heal with hope and humor. I've helped a lot of people get through the grim to find a grin. So how about you? If you're ready to get lifted up, then listen on, my friend. Listen on. Cancer got you down? Pretty grim, huh? How about a show that turns the grim into a grin? Way to go. You made it here to the Cancer and Comedy Podcast, the show to lift you up with hope and humor that heals. Hello, Lifter Uppers. I'm Deb Creer, the co-host of Cancer and Comedy, where we like to kick cancer in the butt with stories of healing through hope and humor. It is so awesome that you are here. Now, let me introduce you to the host of Cancer and Comedy, Dr. Brad Miller. Thank you, Deb. Thank you, Deb. As always, you're awesome, and it's a delight to uh, to be with you. This is the podcast here where you and I share bits and pieces of our life. We share bits and pieces of the life of our uh, of our guests that we have here today. But it's all about really you, listener out there, our lifter upper, about helping work a process where we can help change your situation with cancer or something else that's serious. From kind of the dark place to a place of light, we like to call it turning the grim into a grin. And one of the areas of life that we deal with this so much when we have something bad happen to us like cancer is with our family and with, and right. with our friends. And and uh, so tell me, Deb, tell me, uh, you know, you've been dealing with cancer, some mm -hmm. serious medical issues for, for some time. Uh how has this changed at all the relationship in with your with your family first and maybe your friends as well? Well, you know, it is such an interesting topic and with my family it has brought us even closer. Um, you know, I think we all realize that time is very short and so it is so important to do the things that we want to do you know, don't put them off. <clears throat> don't have that bucket list. Do it now. Um, but it has, has obviously been a struggle for family members to understand even now, you know, there are things that I just cannot do or things that, you know, are, are going to take me a little bit longer. I think it's been more interesting dealing with my friends okay. because so many of them don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't, you know, they don't know any of those various things. And there are some friends that when I was first diagnosed, dropped off the face of the earth and they've never come back. 
they could not deal with it, which was very interesting to me. Um, you know, and, and I had one friend who told me, she said, I didn't know what to say. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, Hallmark has cards. <laughs> you know? And, you know, and, and that was kind of one of those things. It's, it's like when someone dies, right? We don't know what to say because we don't want to make them feel worse. But more importantly, we shouldn't make them feel like we've forgotten about them. Mm. Very insightful for you to share there about your how the dynamic changes a little bit, but it still needs to be uh, lifted up. And how you mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. how in many ways it's been raised to another level on the mm-hmm. value of, of, of time. And in my case, I had to, you know, with my uh, wife and my three adult children, we had to deal with it first of all, and we had some you know, relatively. Uh, poignant conversations about it because it does impact how you deal with things. But I also try to keep things normal as I could, but kind of deal with the reality of the situation and still move forward with hope and with the progress and with looking forward. But I do hear what you're saying about the value of time, how you just don't want to waste time. I think one of the reasons you and I are even are uh, doing this podcast because it's kind of a, something that we mm-hmm. feel that we can do to make a contribution right, right now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right now. But also one of the things that comes out met with my friends, uh, it was been a good thing. I was very intentional with some of my friends, particularly some of the friends who had a little background in cancer. Mm-hmm. I kind of reached out to them to get a little advice from mm-hmm. them. And with some of my other friends, I've just tried to no- keep our relationships normalized as possible. Mm-hmm. But just try to answer questions, you know, right. try to be be relevant. But I've, one of the things I've noticed, uh, Deb, is how when you have cancer, it makes you more aware and to kind of be an advocate for uh, the health care matters, uh, for instance. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you seen how that's kind of shifted either for you or your family or anybody in your life, how they've become mm-hmm. more aware and more an advocate for for people? You know, I think many of them have. The, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where we don't like to th- think that we're getting older and we certainly don't want to think about dying. Um, But so many of the people who I talk with have now realized, you know, it is important to be watching their own health, to do their annual checkups, you know, to, to nag those that they care about to do their, you know, do those things. And it really is, you know, I, I, I like to hope that because they have seen what I have gone through, it has just made them more aware that, they need to make sure that they're doing the best that they can. Mm. Our guest uh, today on our podcast is going to be talking about this kind of interaction Mm -hmm. between um, family and friends, Mm -hmm. career and advocacy Um, that's impacted his his life. His name is Mark Smeets, Mm -hmm. and he is uh, from the podcast. We are the ADHD family podcast because his family has been impacted by ADHD and autism mm-hmm. with uh, one of their children and how it's impacted everything, but also in his family has been impacted dramatically by cancer with family mm-hmm. members and friends who've had uh, cancer. And there's just kind of layers of stuff that happens and they mm-hmm. sometimes kind of stack up on, on one another. Did you have any, uh, are you able to, what are some of your initial thoughts about 
our conversation that uh, we had uh, with Mark before we get into the interview itself? Well, you know, it was fascinating. And I think obviously it is made much more of a challenge to him because he is dealing with his young children in, and specifically his young son. Mm-hmm. And I can't, you know, I, I don't have kids, but I can't imagine what it is like for a parent to struggle with that. And, and he mentions at the start that one of the biggest problems they had was getting an actual accurate diagnosis. Which is a and, common thing across the board yeah. for a lot of medical Mm-hmm. situations. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, you know, and, and especially as a parent, you know, he is the one he and, and his wife, they have to be that advocate. They have to keep making sure that they are getting the right diagnosis. And at the same point, I'm guessing, you know, they probably just want to go into a little cocoon and not come back out and, you know, because you don't want to think about your children being, impacted with something that will will they'll be dealing with for the rest of their lives mm. uh you know and and so but you know he did it with you know humor as you know as as we discovered in the interview sure. and funny a guy. lot of he's soul he's searching a funny guy, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's he's very funny and i think people are really going to enjoy his interview we look forward to hearing from him uh, here in just a few minutes Right. Well, and following the interview, you really want to make sure that you stick around for Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day. And of course, our faith it or break it segment and our listener lifter stories. Did you know that you could be part of an upcoming episode of Cancer and Comedy with your uplifting story of hope and humor and kicking cancer or maybe something else in the butt? Just go to voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com and leave your message for us. We hope that you will do just that because we want to hear from you, our Lifter Uppers. Right now, Lifter Uppers, it's my pleasure to introduce to uh, you our special interview with Mark Smeets. And we have with us as our guest today, his name is Mark Smeets. And he comes to us from the West Coast of Canada, and he is involved with a podcast which is called We Are the ADHD Family Podcast, and we welcome him to Cancer Comedy. Mark, welcome to our podcast today. Thank you very much, Brad. Much appreciated, and thanks for having me. First of all, give us a context. Where do you live? What kind of work do you do? What are you involved with? Let's start off with I'm in Vancouver, BC, up in Canada. And work-wise, I was in logistics for about, oh gosh, it was about 14 years and worked for a couple big companies. And if you ever lost a package with DHL I'm and you talked to me out here, I probably would have been the one to find it or send a warehouse check to go find it. As my kids were born, though, I have two of them, Owen's nine and Mackenzie's six now, the... Uh, Everything started to shift back around 2014, as things do when kids are born. It got really hard. And it was trying to manage kids, trying to manage in-laws that were sick. And you have people on just on the cancer side of things. I've had people throughout my life pass away either from cancer or something to do with addiction. And mm. it's been it's been a tough. I've been to far too many, far too many funerals. And I've had far too many friends in heaven that I don't want. I, I wish they were here. I left the logistics world. I really have thrown myself into advocacy. And 
the reason I've done that is because of the struggles that we had with trying to get Owen his autism diagnosis and everything else and just trying to be present and handle and manage everything. And that's really a, a tough thing to do. That is, that's where I am right now. I also do some swim lessons with, with an autism network that's up here. Love helping out kids in the whole neurodiverse world that's out there. You mentioned autism and your son uh, being relatively recently diagnosed with autism. And that's a, a part of our conversation here uh, today because we your podcast is the ADHD family. So you mentioned about your son. And I know you have some other aspects of dealing with this in, in, in your family. And it is a malady. It is a situation, ADHD and autism, which impacts a lot of people. Just to give a bit of a framework, Mark, define for them a little bit what ADHD is is and how it manifests itself in your family. So let's, and actually, how about, let's rewind a little bit as well, because when you were saying malady, we have to take that word out because it right. isn't, it's not a malady. Part of the problem that you run into, I think, in the world, in society, is that a lot of the medical system is trying to cure something. And when you look at whether it's the diagnostic manual or what the purpose of a doctor is, they are there to cure something or to heal something or something in that in that regards. I think the stereotype of when you have someone who has ADHD or autism or Down syndrome, the atypical stereotype, I think, has led to a lot of these stereotypes, these definitions, the words that get used. And the opposite really is the case. When I'm teaching swim lessons, for example, and the child's autistic, I just see a child. I don't see someone who's whatever. If someone has to hand flap or with something like that, I just see someone just trying to regulate. Maybe that's the first thing to do. As far as how I figured things out, at least for me, it was really all the process of what my son went through. We originally, when Owen was three, he had his speech assessment and essentially the speech pathologist thought that he would be on the autism spectrum because of the of how behind he was in the testing and the results. When we went for the autism assessment, because we had a poor assessor the that didn't take the time to really dig into a bunch of things that we had, they she gave us an ADHD diagnosis and we were like, how in the world can you not see half the things that we see? Fast forward five years to nine years old to April of 2023, and after pushing and advocating and waiting for the public system to finally catch up to us, we finally got his autism diagnosis. But through that whole process, it led to myself getting my diagnosis for ADHD, my wife, and our daughter doesn't have the diagnoses yet, but she's going to land on one of the two, we're pretty sure. That's the short version. To go into what ADHD is, in your brain, you've got two systems. You've got your emotional regulation piece, but you also have what's called your executive functions. And your executive functions are the things that allow you to look ahead, organize yourself, talk to yourself, plan things out, problem solve, strategize. And for me, not necessarily looking ahead, I may just sit there and make a decision all of a sudden the spur of the moment, and I will have not thought about the consequences. Trust me, there's been plenty of that. That could be an action that you do. That could be something that you say. It's anything like that. Even for me, the other big effect that it has on me is your working memory. And if you think of working memory like your RAM in a computer, that temporary storage before it's written to the hard drive, the ability for me to remember a bunch of things 
no, it's not going to happen. If you looked at my iPhone notes, they'd probably make you cry because you could not figure it out. And there's just too much in there. So I always have my phone with me writing those things down. And that's where that's really what ADHD is. It does stand for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but it's the wrong name. And in the community, a lot of us have been talking about how do you rename this thing? Teach us a, a little bit about that because you've already helped us understand that malady is not the correct way of looking at this. And now you're saying that perhaps disorder is not the right way of looking at this. No. What is no. something for those of us who have to deal with folks who are dealing with this, help us to get a handle on, on how to understand it or do the proper terminology? In terms of the proper terminology, really, it's just we, it's weaning yourself away from the, I guess, a deficit-based language. And by that, I mean is we're not talking about a disorder. We're not talking about a condition. We're just talking about how we are. And if your brain is, you know, it, when you're born, if you're wired to, if you're, if the pathways in your brain are wired to go up this corridor, down this corridor, over here, and then go here, how different is that from somebody who has to go through a straight line? Now, the challenges that come through with is like working memory or emotional regulation and not necessarily blowing up at somebody. Those are challenges that I think we pretty much all face. The for us, there's no, there's no stop, and that's the big, that's the big difference with ADHD is that there really is no barrier to say, this is what my action is, Here, this is what my actions or this is what the consequence is going to be. There's nothing in the middle to stop you from saying, is this a good idea or am I just going to do it? <laughs> okay. All right. Let's go there for a second then, Mark. In this, the ADHD family, you've said a couple of things here that indicate there, there's got to be some story there somewhere. And that is stuff like find yourself in circumstances or consequences about your actions or about something you say or do or your son says or does that may be just considered you know, a little bit off from what other people are expecting or whatever. You also said something about there is no stop and there's no breaks. There's no things like that. Has that led you into any weird or uncomfortable or even funny circumstances that, that you had to deal with? I guess a classic ADHD problem is a rabbit hole. A lot of what gets our brains going is the is the novelty of things. So one thing I got into, for example, was baking cinnamon buns. And I... I not that I've got to be quite good at it, but I, I think I'm pretty good at it and they taste pretty good. And I saw this video one day of somebody braiding cinnamon buns and they would roll them up. And I was like, oh, this looks so cool. And I'm like, I wonder if I can do this. And now I've learned how to braid cinnamon buns. I've learned how to roll them up. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm having a lot of fun doing this. This feels really good. And the context that's missing is that I am the one in our family who does the cooking, does the cleaning, uh, does the baking. Like uh, it's, that's just me. But the, here I am, I've done this for a few months. I've learned the hard way. I even had a coworker that was a chef at one point and she was giving me baking advice. So here I am asking her questions at stupid hours of the night and it's, oh, okay, you, you do this and you do this. And I started to adjust it and I'm down the rabbit hole. So you became obsessed about cinnamon rolls. Is that what I'm hearing you say? You just, you got Pretty into, much. so you got on a roll with rolls. Is that what happened here? A roll with rolls. Okay. But 
I also got my my food safe certificate because I thought to myself, I'm going to open a bakery. Yeah, I, it's you find yourself in situations like that, but you sit there and it's why you, you realize afterwards how do you you know why this stuff happens and it's like you're just trying to really solve a problem more than anything else. There is a bit of absurdity to it. It just does things to it that are just off and they makes us sometimes do things we would normally do or to react to different things in a, a way that may not be our pattern in other times. And you seem like you've had your share. You know, you talk about your own family dealing with ADHD and autism, but basically everybody in your family has this and that's why you do your podcast. We are the HD HD family podcast. But you also have mentioned in other times that you've had a number of people in your life dealing with cancer and other life-threatening and even things that took their lives. And for some weird quirk, some of them happened on your birthday. How do you deal with some of that kind of stuff out there on top of what's going on with you, with the family and friends who were dealing with cancer and other things like that? The It, it hit me the most when, I think it was when Ron passed away. Ron had, I'm pretty sure it was prostate cancer. And... So Ron was a he was a fabulous guy. He was like an he was an uncle to me. I grew up with him and my dad plus him. They, they all worked in the same union, and I'm very grateful for everything that Ron did. But when when he had passed, and I known he I I knew he was I knew he had cancer. And I, I didn't know too much about it because I was still youngish when it happened, and I didn't know he passed away in my birthday until maybe a couple weeks later and it was just like what and uh, obviously I never forgot him for that and I never forgot that day but fast forward years later after I met my wife we had another family friend of ours that Jeremy was 31 passed away from lung cancer and never smoked a day in his life or anything like that and all of a sudden it's like stage four and he's gone in less than a year and Jared passes passes on my birthday as well and what's interesting is that I had a gig to go to that night because I also play bass and I've been a musician for a long time. And playing that night was just, it was brutal because I'm upset over this. You're just trying to get through. But every birthday that I tend to have, I always use it to just remind, I use it to remind myself of a saying that I came up with, which is I only have a limited time on this plane of existence. That's, it's a profound thing for me to sit there and realize that because I want to make things work. I want people to be good. I want things to be set up for the kids, right? And my wife, I want to see other people thrive. And if that means I have to work a little bit harder each day to do that, Uh, That's fine by me. Several circumstances that you and your family have to deal with. You deal with your son and yourself and your wife and your daughter dealing with some form or another ADHD and autism. You have talked about members in your uh, family and in your life who have uh, passed away from cancer, which has had a profound impact on you. But you said you got to work there. What are some of the actions? What are some of the works that you do that helps you process stuff? I'm interested in kind of some of the actions that you take now to help you get through these times. This is where the ADHD does really kick in. And I've really learned to embrace all these crazy out of the box ideas that I do have. And I'll give you a great example is part of my background actually is in computer programming. And so 
back in the 90s, I was designing websites, hooking databases up to websites before anybody knew what was going on. It was the most fun. Eventually, I couldn't make that work because I sucked at running my own business and fell into logistics. But I never lost my technical skills. It came time for Owen and his autism diagnosis. I developed this spreadsheet that it was essentially his whole life all the different autism traits that we could figure out and made a whole spreadsheet over it, chart and everything. And wow. when we went to the hospital, when we went to BC Children's, I, I showed the doc, I had sent it over to the doctor and the doctor was blown away. He thought a staff member did it, but it turns out that it was me. Long story short, I have been in touch with so many other families because of this spreadsheet, because of cases like ours where they were hard to spot or somebody was pa- wow. somebody was passed on. We just recently lost my sister-in-law. It wasn't cancer, but we just lost my sister-in-law last month. There was a mom that I was helping out with this spreadsheet. Here I am grieving over Kathy, and I'm we're talking two days later after Kathy passed about the spreadsheet and helping her get the same thing for her kid that we didn't have, so we don't have to go through it. But again, that spreadsheet wouldn't have happened if I had not let the ADHD rabbit hole run loose and use everything in my arsenal to come up with it. Hey, my friend, Dr. Brad Miller here. I just want to put a bug in your ear that the Cancer and Comedy Podcast live stream launch party is just around the corner. That's right. The Cancer and Comedy live stream launch party is Saturday, November 4, 2023, 7 o'clock p.m., coming to you live on YouTube Live and Facebook Live. And it is a live comedy show featuring clean comedy legend Rick Roberts. He's in the Mayberry Band movie and TV show, and he does a killer Barney Fife impression. The Cancer and Comedy Podcast live stream launch party is coming to you live from the Clean Comedy Cancer Benefits Show. And if you're in the Indianapolis, Indiana area, come and check it out in person. For you, my Cancer and Comedy Podcast lifter-uppers, the live stream launch party is at cancerandcomedy.com slash live. Now remember the date, Saturday, November 4, 2023, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. You can find the launch party at cancerandcomedy.com slash live. We'll see you there, turning the grim into grins. Now, you use the tools available to you and you created a great tool applied to you personally, but then has not been... The next step is to turn it into an app because it had... Yeah. Then that would really be applicable, app, literally applicable to so many more people. So let's take a little different turn here, Mark. Is there anything, is there any aspect about everything you're going through of a spiritual nature or a kind of metaphysical nature or anything beyond beyond the self that you're dealing with that you've or has helped you or hindered you in this whole process of getting through this. You're dealing, you're dealing with a lot of stuff here. There's a saying that I have. I know there's a higher power out there that can squash me like a bug. <laughs> and so <laughs> I chuckle when I sit there and I hear myself say that, but I grew up Catholic, went to church, did the whole communion thing and everything else. And I always struggled with trying to I have faith. I have tons of faith. I really do. But the to see what goes on 
with what the church has done in terms of how trans people are treated, the whole theory of love the sin, not the sinner stuff, like that that just kills me to yeah. not want to be considered that at all. For me, I have people in my family that are trans, that are non-binary, and I love them. I, they are my family, and I will not, I'm not turning my back on them for a quote-unquote religion. It's been a struggle because how do you rectify how do you, and or justify, but how do you look at what goes on in earth where you see something that is being bastardized and manipulated? And then for the sake of quote unquote history, which has been rewritten God knows how many times by the elite and the rich, but then you have what's going on right in front of you. That is my, one of my big struggles. You said you have tons of faith and yet you have some real life issues, which deal with the organized organized religion and things of that nature. But it sounds like this faith aspect here has been a part of the process to help you deal with stuff. Yeah. And that's, I'm interested in how that, the interplay of all these things, of the kind of the physical nature, which is the actions that we take and the cognitive piece, which is what we, how we think through things and on that kind of thing. And also the spiritual aspect, I believe that, and of course, in, in dealing with hope and humor are all a part of this mental health type of thing uh, as well. And I think that's what helps people get through when you have bad things happen to you, which is what we're a lot of what we're discussing here. So let's talk about some of the things that you now are doing, but to help others. You mentioned about the spreadsheet. That's one thing. And the app, how cool is that? Yeah. But there, you've also created this podcast. Why are you creating a podcast? Some people might say, this is not the thing to do, but you need to just focus in on your own situation. Why are you doing this podcast? Who is it for? This all began as a result of what happened one night with the child who is running behind me, trying to be very discreet, who you can hear in the background. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Again, when he was three years, three or four years old, we didn't have, my wife and I did not have a handle on emotional regulation. It really was this older style of parenting of do as I, you know, just do as I say, not okay. do as I do. And, you know, if it wasn't, can we put the toy down? It was take the toy away. Anyways, he tore apart the house one night. Don't know about you, but I would say your four-year-old doing an action like that is pretty upsetting. And I was, yeah, and I mean, it was in middle, I was in the middle of the kitchen. It was 11.45 at night, and I just looked at myself, and I happened to have my phone because I'd recorded a lot of it on video. But uh, I just said, I never want another family to go through what we just did. And that right there, that moment of him being in my arms and holding him and as he was whimpering, falling asleep, finally just broke me. The struggles that we had afterwards of trying to get him his diagnosis and everything that happened within the system, within the medical system here, though that's why I did it. That's the big reason right there. I've always loved talking to people. But I need to respect that I'm more of an introvert than extrovert. So I need to protect that energy. But I do love these kinds of conversations where you can dive in with somebody and get really deep. I just need to recharge afterwards. I want to give people practical tips, not this fluffy advice of read this book. No, okay. it's do this, try this. Real give, life stuff, yeah. People, 
Yeah, people, that's what gives people hope is to hear those things. There's enough experts about what causes whatever whatever disability we're talking about, but there isn't enough practical side. What's it actually like to be a parent? And I'd rather talk to another parent to parent as opposed to a parent talking to an expert. So you and just a story you just told about your son at age four tearing the house apart, and I can only imagine what that's about. You said it broke you, therefore out of brokenness, you decided to not react by just remaining broken, but to put together the broken pieces and to do something with. So that's who you're serving. And that was the story, that's the origin story of why you're doing it and who you're serving. Have you heard from people where your stories or your spreadsheet or anything else has had some impact on other people? Yes, big time. The as far as the podcast goes, there was a friend of ours, a really good friend, family friend of ours, that she was going through a similar journey than what we were, and she messaged me after she listened to a couple of the episodes. She's I had number one, she had no idea, and number two, she was just like it made her feel like that she wasn't alone. That was the whole point. You don't want to you don't want to sit there and feel that aloneness because it is isolating. As much as they say there's help out there, my God, do we ever feel isolated? Holy yeah. cow! The it's always that step of being able to pick up that phone and make that call or send that email. And in a podcast, in a podcast, it's the only way you're going to them, aren't you? Exactly. Yes. 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 It, yes. That's that. You know what? That's beautifully said, Brad. As far as the the spreadsheet and things like that, I, that spreadsheet's helped a lot of people already. Working on just improving it more and more, sort of every other yeah. week or whatever. They look at the results of the way the the data is laid out, and they're just going, "I see my kid," hmm. and they just feel seen because it's in there, it's their experiences, and it's translating into something for them, and that gives them a lot of hope to sit there and fight on for it because it's not easy and not all doctors are made equal. Yeah. A lot of the other things that happen with me as well is that the I like even just being an administrator in one of the Facebook groups for ADHD, you sit there and you help out parents and you're just like every time you post something that's helpful, it's directly helping somebody avoid what we would have gone through. Mm. Part of the reason I got into also uh, working and teaching on swim lessons as well was because I got really frustrated seeing kids that were like Owen and have you know coordination difficulties, especially in water, being passed over for lessons. And it's hard enough to get in a swim lesson, but it's even worse when your swim instructor doesn't know how to break something down. And yeah. it just made me mad. And that's why I got involved with that organization. Yeah. It's also what led me to becoming a board member on the ADHD Advocacy Society of BC. Like all these things are that outlet to out to go out there and just help and do something. I love what you're sharing here, Mark, and you're talking about being an advocate, and you're being an advocate by sharing your story, being vulnerable and sharing your story. I'm already here today. You've shared about how you've had some struggles, your kids and your wife and people in your life, how they've impacted you emotionally and everything else like this. You've used a term like broken, and yet you're taking all those types of things, and then you're channeling them to help other people by being an advocate. By volunteering and being part of these various boards and things like that, and by doing your podcast and telling the story, that helps other people tell their story. And I got a feeling you're a pretty good listener as well. Is that a fair thing to say? You have to be. You have to be. It's a theme of our podcast here that we're talking about cancer and comedy. We use cancer to talk about 
serious stuff that happens to us. We've been talking about serious stuff here. And the comedy is how we approach things with help and or with hope and with humor and by telling stories which have an attitude towards, okay, this thing's not going to beat me. I am going to have an attitude where, you, because we choose our attitude, I would do stuff. Has there been any episode or any situation or any story through this whole circumstance you've been dealing with, you're in a family or it just made you smile or struck you funny or just just hit you in, just hit you in your funny bones. So <laughs> one of the things one of the things I really like doing on the podcast is I will start the podcast off with some sort of funny story that either myself I've gone through or or you know something's happened with Owen. So for example, I think the podcast had got released this morning, but it has to do with I never thought I would hear my wife say the words, Owen, please don't pee on the lightsaber. Okay. All right. So, I got to admit that that's a new one on me too. Yeah. 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 I, I was just like, okay. I remember when he was two, I think we had an entertainment stand in the front room where our TV was. So you've got your three level entertainment stand. You have the TV above it. That's wall mounted. And I came out of the room and I was only gone for maybe 15 seconds. I come back and all of a sudden there is my two-year-old. He's climbed up all three levels and he's holding onto the TV. And I'm like, do I get my phone and take a picture of this because no one's <laughs> going to believe me or do I get him down? Now uh, I did get him down first. I didn't take the pay. I didn't get my phone because I didn't know what was going to happen, but you get things like that. And you're just like, all right then. Wow. But all these kind of things are the really funny things that just happen. And honestly, I'll, I'll tell you what, I always try to look on the lighter side. When Jeremy passed, the priest that gave the, the sermon happened to be a high school friend. I hadn't seen Alessandro since grade 12. And I'm just like, what the hell are you doing here? And I'm like, why am I trying? <laughs> and it just made no sense. It's all these ridiculous yeah. little things that go on. The absurdity of it all, yeah. I, I think the other thing, too, is that I've nearly exited this world myself. The way that ended up happening was uh, a band jam I had come out of, and I was putting my gear away in the trunk of the car. I was standing with her with my friend. I just put my amp in the trunk, and I turned around, and I saw Brian, and Brian goes, a plane just crashed over there. And he pointed across the street, a plane literally had just crashed. It's not just the, and there was fire and flames and everything and all that. And the interesting thing was that, I mean, that messes you up to begin with. The impact that has on you to look at sort of the lighter side of life, realizing that you're, you know, you could go at any moment. Mm. And then to see, and then to see family, friends pass away from cancers or what have you, it, it that just settles in and it's really i think this moment is more a cumulative effect of all these small little things that have just gone on well, there's a lot of folks out there who are dealing with all kinds of stuff it may be adhd it might be autism it might be cancer yeah. or it might be a fear of plane crashes anything number of things yeah. we've talked about here today and there's some people who are in those dark places and they're having a hard time getting out so what's your word of encouragement or hope to someone that may be listening to us to, uh, today? What would you say to that person who's in a dark place and they need a little hope and humor in their life? A lot of people will say recognizing that you're in a dark place is the first step. That is That can be a very hard thing to do. If you're able to do that and you're able to reach out and talk to somebody, 
do it, but do it with the, if you're going to say, if you're going to do that, then be open and willing, come to the table and say, and lay it out, lay it all out on the table. Don't leave part of it behind. I used to deny my own depression and anxiety, but the fact that I'm comfortable now even saying those words, it matters a lot. And you want to bring that with you. Talk to somebody, find a professional and find someone who fits and find a professional that is neurodiverse and, and familiar with these things and not just any random person. Make yeah. sure you keep with them. That's what I would say. There is hope. The sun, Other one of the other phrases I really like is that the sun always rises. That's the, and that's it. That's a good word for us to leave things on here. The sun always rises and there is hope. And so Mark, if Mark Smeets, if people want to find you, if they want to find your podcast, we are the HDH. ADHD family uh, podcast. How can they find you so they can get connected with your message? You can go look on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, YouTube, can't remember what else, Amazon, Google, and just uh, Google it up there. You can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Mark Smeets. There's various social media things. Reach out and look for the word of hope and humor and being helpful. His name is Mark Smeets. And he is the producer of the podcast. We are the ADHD family. He's been our guest today here on Cancer and Comedy with Dr. Brad Miller. Just appreciate Mark Smeets uh, being with us and kind of sharing some vulnerabilities and some fun stuff and some really poignant uh, stories there from his from his family and from his uh situations in life and friends and other people in, in his life. And I know that I think there's some great takeaway points there mm -hmm. that we can learn from this. So Deb, what do you think? What are some, a few takeaway points that you take from our conversation with Mark Smeets? Well, you know, it was a fabulous interview and, and so fascinating. Several of the things that, that I got from it were, you know, not to remain broken, you know, he, he talked about that, but to acknowledge, you know, that you are in a dark place and, and then to, but to get out of that. And one of the things that, that I found absolutely fascinating was that he decided to use this to help others, you know, especially for other parents who have children who are on the spectrum, who have ADHD, because they feel so alone. And I love that he started his own podcast to try to help those folks. And, and he mentioned during the interview, you know, the people who contacted him to say, you know, we did feel alone. And thank you so much for helping us. Mm. And uh, just a reminder, his podcast is called We Are the ADHD Family Podcast. We'll put links to that in our show notes at Cancer and comedy uh, dot com. And I just was interested about how he just really had kind of a funny take mm -hmm. on taking the chaos of life mm -hmm. and seeing some funny aspects of it with his, you know, with his son doing some crazy, you know, mm -hmm. some crazy stuff with with autism and that kind of a thing, and just having some fun with it. Mm -hmm. And, but also, seeing how life has been impacted by mm -hmm. that. And you see how his life was impacted with his family and with his mm -hmm. friends and his faith journey and, and all that, but uh, how that was all a part of this. I was interested to see when he talked about some of his, the kind of the weird circumstance of some of his uh, friends and family dying mm -hmm. on his birthday from right. cancer mm -hmm. and how he was able to take that Deb and kind of use birthdays, his mm -hmm. own birthday mm -hmm. 
to be a reminder uh, of his of the people that he's lost. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's maybe something we can take away from this here, mm -hmm. Deb, that, uh, you know, some people I know some people I've worked with in grief really dreaded birthdays mm -hmm. and Christmas and right. other events mm -hmm. because, you know, they miss the people. We miss those people. Mm -hmm. We miss them when we do. But maybe we can also not to not miss them. We do miss mm -hmm. them but also to celebrate them, right? celebrate them mm -hmm. on, on uh, Christmas time or birthday mm -hmm. or something like that. And I think that's what Mark was teaching us here a mm -hmm. little bit. And then also this is another point that I think was important was how you use these events, these bad things that happened in his family with, or the, you know, the challenging situations mm -hmm. with their son, uh, being ADHD and uh, on on the spectrum, motivation to thrive, motivation mm -hmm. to do right. something, motivation to be engaged, you know, mm -hmm. as an advocacy for health matters rather than just kind of uh, withdrawing and mm -hmm. becoming, uh, you know, into a, a depressed state. And um, and how these it is your choice mm -hmm. to make a difference. Yep. You know, it is your, your, your choice to make a mm -hmm. difference. So, uh, and he's a fun guy and, uh, uh, and I just liked his attitude of, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of, okay, here we go again, you know, right. here, here we mm -hmm. go again. And just kind of having a bit of smile on his face and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of what cancer and company is all about. Mm -hmm. We got to deal with the serious. We got to deal with the profound things that impact of us, but you know, we choose how we uh, approach them mm -hmm. as uh you know with uh, a change of mindset uh, uh going into some spiritually different places at mm -hmm. times and how we uh, view our relationships with our with our family and with mm -hmm. our friends and i'm glad we talked to, to mark speech to, right. today aren't you i was i was so glad to to have this conversation because it does make you think about how you would handle adversity. And as we like to say, we turn that grim into a grin. And so that leads us to our cancer and comedy segment with Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day. Have you heard the story about the old man and the cookies? There's this old man. He was on his deathbed. He was in bad shape. As he lay there in the bed, his eyes closed. Really, just waiting peacefully for the end to come. He suddenly got a whiff of his favorite food in the world. Fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh, man, he sniffed again, and it was true. His wife was downstairs baking chocolate chip cookies. Oh, the aroma came in and and filled up his nostrils and filled up his mind and it gave him some energy and and he found the strength to climb out of bed crawl down the hallway hobble down the stairs made it into the kitchen and all the whole time he was just picturing himself he could almost taste it those delicious chocolate chip cookies, maybe one of the last things he would ever have. He finally got to the kitchen, and there it was, a platter of chocolate chip cookies on the counter. 
And with his last bit of strength, he crawled across the floor, pulled himself up to the counter, and reached for a cookie. And suddenly felt the slap of his wife hitting him on the back of the hand with a spatula. Don't touch those, she said. They're for the funeral. Oh, oh my gosh. Groan, groan. But I love your jokes. They are always so much fun. And that is Dr. Brad's bad joke of the day. But let's shift gears now and have Dr. Brad's faith it or break it segment. In our faith at our break it segment, let's talk for a minute about the power of being unique and special in terms of how you relate to cancer or other profound diseases. Sometimes we can think if we are impacted by cancer or profound disease that we are less than, that we are corrupted, that we are damaged goods. And I just want to respond to that with a passage of scripture from Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's the simple fact, everybody. No matter what your situation in life, you are made and created by God. You're God's handiwork to do good things, to make an impact on others. You are not less than you are not corrupted. You are not damaged goods. You are created in Christ's image as a handiwork. Tony Campalo, Christian writer, who I've been able to read a lot of his works and be in some of his workshops, tells a story, and I can relate to it, about how when he was a teacher and a pastor in the inner city of Philadelphia, there was a McDonald's not too far away from his office, and he went down there to, to just get himself uh, something, some breakfast or some, something to eat. And this is an area where there's quite a few uh, unhoused people, homeless folks living. And it was kind of a cold day. And right inside the doorway of the McDonald's was this rough-looking character, homeless guy, dirty, you know, just scraggly beard, just had a rough life, obviously. And Tony's in line at McDonald's there, and they and, the, and you're thinking this guy is going to, you know, hit him up for five bucks or something, you know, hit him up for, for some money. But the guy, the guy, this guy says to Tony, hey, mister, hey, mister, I got something for you. I want to ask you something. And Tony's kind of trying to, you know, brush him off. He said, yeah, what, yeah, what, how can I help you? He's kind of digging around his pocket to get ready to get out a couple bucks or something like that. And the guy says, I just want you to know something, man that this is good coffee. He took a sip of the coffee that he had, and he said, I want you to take a sip. Take a sip of this coffee. And Tony wasn't too thrilled about taking a sip, but he, but he did. And the man, just the guy just said, that's just good coffee. And Tony remembers that story because he had an expectation that this guy, you know, kind of a, you know, almost looking guy, was going to ask him for something, but really he had something to offer. Even if it was all he had was a sip of good coffee. The idea here, friends, is every one of us, no matter how you may be perceived by other people or even by yourself and your own uh, sense of self-worth, have great value. 
We are created in the image of God, and we have a uniqueness about us and a purpose about us, even if it's a little bit weird, if it's a little bit odd. And we may be facing challenges like cancer or other things in life, but we're still loved and valued by God, and God has a plan for our lives. And let me give you just a couple of things that we can learn from this scriptural passage and about this whole idea about how being used in our uniqueness. This can just remind us, number one, that we're, we're not alone. God knows what we're going through, cares for us deeply, and is approachable. This also can give us a hope for a future that God has a plan for all of us. And if he's got a plan for all of us, then we need to be hopeful about it. And we need to trust that God does all things for our good. And this, therefore, can empower us to actually do good things, even in the midst of our challenges, including as simple as sharing a sip of coffee. Here are some things that we can do to help to live out this in our own lives. And one of them is just really get to know God and know how God values us. And that's, you know, in our uh, personal prayer life, in our meditation life, things like that, to be connected and good listeners and know that God does value us. Something else we can do is just surround ourselves with supportive people. We have a community right here, the Cancer and Comedy Podcast. You can plug into our community here, for instance. That is just simply find people to love and encourage you even when you're struggling, and then you be the source of encouragement to others when they are struggling. And that brings me to kind of this wrapping up point. Get involved with serving other people. If you use your gifts, you know, God's given you a unique gift. Use it to make a difference in the world, and he will help you see your value and your purpose, your unique and wonderfully made purpose, because you are a handiwork of God. Wonderfully made. And God has a great plan for your life, even in the midst of your challenges. So trust God and allow God to use your experiences and your uniqueness to glorify God. That's our faith it or break it segment. It is now time for one of my favorite parts of this program, our lifter upper listener segment. Did you know that you can be on Cancer and Comedy as a lifter upper listener with your uplifting story about your cancer journey? Just go to voicemail com and record a brief message for us. Our listener lifter-upper story today comes from Rick Roberts, who is the featured comedian who will be at our Cancer and Comedy live stream launch party on Saturday, November 4th, 2023, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. We want you to, to know that this will be a live stream comedy show featuring clean comedy legend Rick Roberts. And you can go over to cancerandcomedy.com slash live and get connected to that live show, which is our live stream launch party. Rick is a cancer survivor in his own right and has a great story and hilarious show. Let's hear what Rick has to say. It's like getting punched in the nose, you know. It's like, okay, they got my attention now, so let's let's get it taken care of. And uh, and you know, it was, it was upsetting and all these things, but literally, I had one full day of of just like 
sadness and depression and worry. And then I prayed probably two hours that night. And just from there on, I just, whatever happens, happens, you know? I did all the things that you do uh, before major surgeries and started making, here's a list of all my passwords in case I, you know, the robotic arm goes haywire or the power goes off or the Wi-Fi disconnects when this robot like, why do I have a MySpace password still? And CompuServe, what is going on here? And Kinko's, I could just delete these. You do all those things, made a little folder of everything, wrote letters to everybody in case I didn't come back from it and all these things. Well, Lifter Uppers, this brings us to the conclusion of this episode of Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We like to call folks like you are lifter uppers or lifters for short because cancer and comedy is all about telling uplifting stories of people like you who are kicking cancer's butt with healing through hope and humor you can join those of us who are turning the grim into grins by telling us your uplifting story at voicemail.cancerandcomedy.com and did you know that you can keep up with everything Cancer and Comedy through our Cancer and Comedy Chronicles newsletter? You can sign up for that at newsletter.cancerandcomedy.com. Well, that's it for now. Please join us next time on Cancer and Comedy. And if you like what you hear, please pass the podcast on to someone in your life who needs to turn their grim into a grin. For Dr. Brad Miller, I'm Deb Creer reminding you that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Hey, thanks for joining us on the Cancer and Comedy Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Make sure you visit our website, cancerandcomedy.com, where you can follow the show and get our newsletter. Like what you hear? Then tell a friend about Cancer and Comedy, the show that lifts your spirits with hope and humor that heals. Until next time, keep turning the grim into a grin.